if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the people to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Don't do that, right? Instead, mm-hmm. teach them to earn for the vast and endless seas. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, so this is our hashtag one thing episode. Sangram and I discuss various topics that are applicable to you and our community, like personal development, trends in the marketplace, big wins, big mistakes, and more. Here we go. Welcome back to the Flip My Funnel podcast. My name is James Carberry. I'm one of the producers of the show. And as always on these Wednesday episodes, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sangram Vajray. Sangram, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic, man. Boom. This is another series. Yeah, man. So we we both got really pumped about the last series that we did. And I think it got a ton of really great listener feedback as well. So with this series, we're going to be talking through the Netflix culture code, which when you had this idea, I thought, man, this is this is brilliant. I've heard a lot about this particular culture code. I think it shaped a lot of the way that modern business is thinking about culture whenever this this culture code was released. It was I think it was a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And one of the things we had the pleasure of recently, we had Katie Burke. She was also on our podcast a few months ago, and she is the head of culture at HubSpot. So we had her come to the office and not only do the podcast, but also do an all hands and talk about culture and what changes happen as companies scale and and things like that. And and I would I would assume because HubSpot is known for their culture deck and the culture code that they have. I think they have like a million views on SlideShare on their culture deck. But the first thing she said was, hey, we have a great culture deck. But if you really want to look at a culture deck, look at Netflix. And mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant. So I looked at it at that time. And then for whatever reason, last week or so, I, I was just flipping through a few notes. And it reminded me that, man, I need to really dig deeper in it. And as I did... James, I think there are like incredible value for, for anybody who's listening in a marketing, sales, leadership position, because we all know culture is what makes things happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. As we're, you know, I mean, what are you guys at over 200 employees now? Yeah, we're, we're pretty, pretty close. And so trying to, I mean, trying to maintain culture at that scale I'm I'm sure is I mean it's it's a full-time job of multiple people I'm sure we're much smaller much earlier in the you know in, in the process and it's still a challenge to try to figure out how do you maintain culture as the organization grows and and so one thing I would love to talk about just before we dive into this first value that we're really going to unpack in this episode is to have you Singram touch on all seven of the key values that Netflix's culture code talks about. Can you, do you, you want to walk us through real quick what those seven are? Sure. So, and again, it's a deck on SlideShare. So you guys can find out if you any get a chance because it will probably be hard to remember all of them, but it's really values are, you know, what we are. So it's what we are, high performance, freedom and responsibility, context, not control, which is the first one you're going to go through, highly aligned, loosely coupled, Highly aligned, loosely coupled. It's a really good one. Pay top of market. So that is definitely worth looking into. Promotions and development as all leaders, we, we all aspire to make sure that we are better at this. 
than anyone else. So those are the seven ones. And today, the three that we're going to go through in this series are context, not control, highly aligned, loosely coupled, freedom and responsibility. And, and today, James, I think we can go through the first one, the context, not control. I love it. So talking about context, not control. Let's start off with a little quote. You were telling me, or you're sharing a, a quote with me offline. Let's start with that quote and then we'll dive in. So this is a quote in the culture deck. So it's pretty awesome. It's uh, by the author of The Little Prince. And it says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the people to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Don't do that, right? Instead, mm-hmm teach them to earn for the vast and endless seas, really, really have the feeling that this is what we are here for. So I, I feel yeah. like this quote is really interesting. It's like, it's, it's always, if you tell people what to do, they might do it, but they would never go beyond what you told them to do. And I think we all, as, as aspiring leaders and, and hopefully believing that we are better leaders and, and want to do the right thing and want to treat people the way we want to be treated, we, we feel like we, we don't want to do the things of like, hey, do that or, you know, so that we can get it done. We want people to take full responsibility. But this one is like, hey, look, this is what we do every day, right? If mm-hmm. we look deeply, we do this where we tell somebody saying, hey, can you do that for me? And then that's it. We never set the context of it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. As you were reading through that, Sangram, the thing that I kept thinking about was it, there seems to be a lot of, overlap between this idea and then Simon Sinek's like start with why. And I, I, when you're teaching context to people, I think you're really, I think a lot of it has to do with explaining the why behind things. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think one of the things that is said in the culture code is that the best managers figure out how to get great outcomes by setting the appropriate context rather than by trying to control their people. Now, there is a big, you know, I think this is worth framing up because this is so important for all of us to recognize is it is so easy to jump in the how. And this is where they're saying that don't don't jump in the how, because when you do that, you're trying to take control of the situation. And it's very natural to jump in the how because you might know the answer or how to do it or might have done before. But great managers, the best managers, the leaders that we, we want to follow, they are so focused on outcomes and the context that they don't they hardly ever get into the how. Mm. And so to make this even more granular and applicable for, for folks listening, Sangram, you want to go through I don't know, what would be some some context oriented types of things that managers can start thinking about that would, I don't know, help them give clarity around, okay, what is context and what is kind of the what? Do you want to walk through what those context oriented things are? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let just you and I uh, kind of uh, banter on that for a little bit. So I'm going to say a phrase and, and you can tell me if it's context or control and that way people can get a feel for it. So top-down decision-making. Feels like control to me. <laughs> exactly, right? So I think we, we, we would start getting, and I think everybody's listening, they can start sensing if that's what happens in your organization or you are doing that, then that's control. You're absolutely right. Give me another one. You need committees for everything. Another one sounds sounds a bit control oriented to me. Exactly. And a lot of people mess that up. They feel like, oh, we need to have committees. That means we are getting consensus and we need to get people together 
But then we have this endless, endless array of, of meetings that happen in companies that people just give up on big ideas or anything in doing, doing that. So, so those are like some of those are top-down decision-making, management approval for even smallest of things, committees for almost everything, or planning and process valued more than results. And mm. those are all the control-oriented thing. Now, on the flip side, as you can imagine, you know, thinking about strategy, let's just have a conversation about yeah. where we're going thinking about results, like what would we call the picture of success? What does it look like? Or, or, or this is where a lot of people miss out. And I have missed out definitely in, in my career quite a bit number of times is we get into the idea, we get so excited, but we never define roles and mm. who is doing what. And, and that is part of context because if you don't know who is doing what, you're going to lose the context. People are not going to have the ownership they want. And when you think about decision-making, one of our uh, business coach here in our office at Terminus, his name is Bob Lewis, he says something really profound. And I think this is really interesting. He said, there's no business, there's no business that does consensus-oriented leadership. Mm, that's and, really good. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about that for a second. You're like, wait a minute. Now, we, we really want everybody on the same page. Wouldn't we want everybody to be happy with the decision? He's like, no, the only consensus that you really need to ever get from everybody on, in the room is where do you want to go for lunch or where do you want to go for drink? <laughs> uh, beyond that, you're not doing consensus. What you need to do is be transparent around the decision-making process. So you need to get input from people, yes, but they need to know that if they are a decision maker, they need to know that they're a decision maker or they need to know, going back to clearly defining the roles, they need to know that their job is to provide input or their job is to provide direction or their job is to provide data or their job is to provide, make the decision or their job is to be participating. So whatever it is, you have to very clearly define the roles. But at the end of the day, you have to be very aware that there's only one person in the room that typically will and end up making decision may not be in that room. And honestly, James, the first time I heard that from him, I felt like, man, that's like dictatorship, right? You know, yeah. you're about one person making decision, but it makes sense because if everybody is making the ultimate decision on everything, then it's going to be a problem. So you don't want one person every time making a decision. His point was one person makes a decision for one initiative, and that might be you as a leader on the team, or it might be somebody else on the team. So leadership roles can move around between the team, but the roles should always be clearly defined. I love that. And it does, you know, when you first mentioned that, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's that, that sounds a little, little bit like a dictatorship. But I agree. I, I mean, as you've kind of unpacked it, it makes perfect sense why, if you want to make progress, that you can't be bogged down by forcing yourself to have to, to make everybody a decision maker. It's, it's gotta, you've got to have clearly defined roles. Can we talk some more about, so we've talked through some context-oriented things. We've talked through some control-oriented things. You want to talk about what, what are some of the biggest challenges that, that you see in trying to err on the side of more context-oriented thinking as opposed to control? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely exceptions to, to the rule. And they, in Netflix deck, they really go through it. It's like, hey, look, their control can be super important and probably ultimately needed in, in case of emergency. So it's not a long-term thing. It's like, okay, we are going to have this event in a week. <laughs> we need to get everything done. We need to control. So you, you, know, you as a leader or people on the team as leaders, 
they might need to jump in and take control of the situation because that's just an emergency situation. So it's not Mm. like everything has to be context driven. I think there are situations and that that I love that they had exceptions in the deck as clearly defined because we all have situations and times where we have to think through it. Another exception is that, well, the control can be important when you have a wrong person in the role, right? I think you and I have been in many roles where we felt like, all right, I want to give this person all the context, but this person doesn't just doesn't get it, right? And yeah. or it just, it, it, that this is not the role for this person. Like, I yeah. would love to give up all of all my control to this person, but I don't trust this person enough to do what I want. So, you know, when we have to do that, I think that's another reason why there could be control. So you have you may have a wrong person uh, in that role. Or another one that they pointed out is control can be really important when someone is still learning in the area which is mm. what I feel like, you know, a lot of the internship or early kind of the first job, like they may be willing, they may be hungry, they may be ready to go, they may be proactive, all those great qualities, which is why you hired them, but they may not have the experience or understanding of all the, the blind spots that you might know. So you might be serving them more of a guide and a little bit better and maybe have more context-driven conversation, not just one time, but multiple times. But those were some of the exceptions they talked about in the deck that really helped for me crystallize that. But it doesn't have to be just one way every time because the situation changes all the time. Yeah, you 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 had a note written down here in our, in our notes, Sangram, that I that I really liked that ties in here specifically for managers for folks leading a team. When one of your talented people does something dumb, don't blame them. Instead, ask yourself what context you failed to set. And I feel like, you know, as soon as I, I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, like I've been learning about this a ton lately. Gary V talks about like when, when you're the leader, it's always on you. It's always your fault. It's always on you to take responsibility for whatever the bad thing that happened. And so I've been pressing into that a lot in my own leadership, trying to figure out, you know, if, if someone on our team isn't performing or, or they, they did, they did something they weren't supposed to do or whatever the case may be. Instead of my my instant reaction being to you know lash out at them or to blame them, my first reaction is starting to become okay. What did I do wrong here? What context did I? And I love the way it, it fits in here because it's what context did I fail to set, which which loops back around nicely to kind of the overall theme of of what we're talking about today. Yeah, man, absolutely. That's uh, that's again. It's it's a very clearly clear way of thinking about it. Another way they put it in the in the deck was, especially for managers, when you are tempted to control your people, we all are time to time, when you're tempted to control your people, ask yourself what context you could set instead. So it's, it's really the question that we have to continuously ask ourselves, because at the end of the day, if, if your team is failing, we all know it is, it is a leadership failure. At that yeah. point, maybe you didn't hire the right person. You could say that, but that's also your fault because you hired that person. Or maybe the person is not ramping fast enough. It's your fault. You didn't create enough resources for this person to do it. Or if that person is not working as hard enough as you would want that, again, your fault as a leader because you did not create any, a culture for that person to thrive and make sure that he has or he or she has everything they need to, to be thinking about the vast oceans and the seas, going back to the early quote as opposed to the the task at hand. So it, it's a big part. W- one of the things, again, I'll go back to our business coach at Terminus. Uh, he, he talks about this this idea of 
bring your whole self, the, the entire self to work, not mm-hmm. just part of it, but the whole self. And when you let it sink in, you kind of start thinking about like, well, what does that mean? Well, most people have families and kids and, or even if you're young, you're, you, have, you, know, you, have, you have stuff that you want to do outside of work. So you have life, but you spend such a good amount of time at work. So if you want to have a good time at work, whatever that means, you have to love the job that you do. And in order to love the job that you do, you cannot be in a factory mentality where you're asked to be on an assembly line doing certain things. You have to feel that I'm part of this vision. And part of vision casting is understanding what the context of where we're going. So I think it's, it's obviously ingrained in our human psychology, but it's too easy to say and blame others and not take blame on ourselves. So I'm 100% with you, James. The idea of like when you are or you're talented people doesn't do what you ask them to do. Don't blame them. Instead, ask yourself what context you failed to set is a profoundly important question to ask yourself. If not every month or in every performance review of everything that happens, almost every project that you go through, I think it's really important to to do. I love it. Sangram, this has been fantastic. If you're listening to this and you're curious to check out the entire Culture Deck, you just Google Netflix Culture Deck and and you'll see in your Google search results. Uh, But I would encourage anyone listening to this to go check that out. Patty McCord is actually the person that helped write it. And so I want to say she's got a new book out. And so if if she's responsible for this deck, I think anything she writes is probably going to be pretty high value. So folks can definitely check that out as well. Sangram, man, thanks so much for your time today. I'm I'm really stoked to to continue throughout this series to talk about some of the other key parts from this deck because I think it's going to be super valuable for anyone listening. Absolutely, man. So the next week, we're going to get into highly aligned, loosely coupled. And then the following week, as we conclude this series, Culture Deck, we're going to finish off with freedom and responsibility. So stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.